Chapter 4 On Michael's way home from school, he stopped at the church to see if his dad was in his office. He found Pastor Thomas on his knees next to the printer, a stack of smudged and wrinkled prayer meeting bulletins on the floor next to him. Is the printer jammed again? asked Michael. His father scratched his head. This machine has lived a long and useful life, but I think it's about time for both of us to be put out of this misery. He pulled himself to his feet and rubbed his knees. How's school going? Terrible, said Michael, making a face. Tell me about it, said Pastor Thomas, sitting down in his chair. Well, first we have this stupid science project about evolution and fossils, and I don't even believe in evolution. And worse than that, I have to do work at the hospital every week, and I hate it. What do you hate about it? asked his father. Everything, Michael said, looking miserable. I hate being there. It smells bad, and the nurses are bossy and act like they wish we weren't there at all, especially Nurse Bates. And then having to see all those old people in their rooms and not knowing what's going to happen... His voice trailed away. It's not that I don't want to help people, he finally said, his eyes pleading for his father to understand. Pastor Thomas nodded. It's normal to be scared of being around sick and old people. Believe it or not, I've had to struggle with that myself. Really? asked Michael. But you visit people in the hospital all the time. Exactly, said his father, grinning. And now it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it did in the beginning. The more you do it, the more familiar you become with what can be a very difficult and unpleasant environment. It's more than just difficult and unpleasant, said Michael, which is why I want to do something else. It doesn't look as though God is letting you off the hook that easily, his father said. There are people in that place, many of God's own children, who need the encouragement of someone like you caring about them. Pastor Thomas paused, thinking for a moment. This reminds me of a situation in the book of Jeremiah, he told Michael. Enemies of the old prophet Jeremiah convinced the king to throw him into an underground water tank and leave him to die. The tank, called a cistern, didn't have any water in it, but the bottom of it was filled with mud. The bad guys let Jeremiah down into the cistern with ropes, and he sank into the mud. When the friends of Jeremiah heard what had happened, they hurried to rescue him. By now he was weak and feeble. His friends cared for him so much, they dropped down soft rags for him to put under his arms so the ropes would not injure him when they pulled him out. Michael sat quietly, listening to his father. Jeremiah was in a very difficult and unpleasant place. No doubt it smelled terrible down there in that cistern, and he could not do anything to help himself. Still, God cared for him by sending people to support him in his hard place. Michael chewed on his lower lip, thinking about the story his father told him. So, I guess I have to go back, he finally said. How about if I go with you next time, Pastor Thomas answered. It's been a few days since I've been up there, and there is one person in particular I need to visit. Come to think of it, I think you would greatly benefit by meeting this gentleman. He smiled at Michael. God works in mysterious ways, you know. On Thursday afternoon, Pastor Thomas himself drove the Willow Valley kids to the hospital. The staff was familiar with him because of his frequent visits. 
The woman at the reception desk greeted him with a smile, and two doctors wearing scrubs called out his name as he passed them in the lobby on the way to the elevator. Even Nurse Bates smiled when she saw Pastor Thomas. Michael Frout felt proud to be walking beside him. The hospital didn't seem so frightening with his father close by. Nurse Bates went with them up to the fifth floor and once again assigned them to fill and deliver water pitchers. As other children got started on the job, Michael went with his father down to the very end of a long hallway. Pastor Thomas knocked loudly on the door of room 538. "'Come in if you dare!' a man's voice called out in a cheerful tone. Pastor Thomas grinned at Michael and then pushed the door open. "'Good afternoon, Dr. Dean. How are you feeling today?' he said to the man. "'Pastor Thomas!' the man exclaimed, his face wrinkling with pleasure. "'Why, I'm so much better than I deserve, especially since you've come to visit. Who is this fine young man?' Michael smiled and stepped forward to be introduced. Dr. Dean's handshake was firm and warm, though he appeared to be frail and very old. Unlike most of the rooms along the hall, this room was filled with sunlight. Its window blinds pulled all the way up. Even though Dr. Dean was lying in a bed, Michael could tell he was a tall man. His face was wrinkled and brown from a lifetime in the sun, and his dark eyes sparkled. White hair stood out, in a fringe around his ears. He smiled joyfully at his visitors. What brings you to my corner of the world today? He wanted to know. Pastor Thomas sat in the chair next to Dr. Dean's bed. My son and his friends are volunteering on this hall this week, he said. Since you're a lifetime member of Willow Valley Bible Church, I wanted to be sure Michael got a chance to meet you. I see, said Dr. Dean. So on Thursday afternoons, I can expect to be waited on hand and foot. Is that right? Yes, sir, answered Michael. Dr. Dean gave a hearty laugh. Good, very good. The nurses around here are overworked and underpaid. They deserve all the help they can get. Michael's still getting used to being in the hospital, Pastor Thomas told the old man. Dr. Dean leaned eagerly toward Michael. You know, I used to hate the hospital. I avoided it at all cost, he said. But now, now that I've been here a while, I've almost come to enjoy it. All the activity, people coming and going, breakfast, lunch, and dinner brought to my room. It's been kind of nice. The only thing I miss is the cracker and peanut butter sandwiches I used to make for myself every afternoon at home. He winked at Michael. My secret treat, he said, his eyes sparkling. I like crackers and peanut butter, too, said Michael. Maybe I can bring you some next time I come. I would like that very much, said Dr. Dean. Very much indeed. Pastor Thomas put a hand on Michael's shoulder. Michael, why don't you get busy with your responsibilities while I have a talk with Dr. Dean? I'll come find you when I'm finished. Yes, sir. Michael answered. It was nice to meet you, Dr. Dean. The pleasure was all mine, explained the old man heartily. Be sure to come back and visit after you've filled all those water pitchers. Speaking of that, why don't you give mine a refill while you're at it? Michael grinned and went to get the plastic pitcher from the table under the window. And if you happen to see any crackers or cookies lying around, said Dr. Dean, 
I'll see if I can get you some, Michael promised. He walked quickly down the hallway toward the utility room. His father was nice. His father was right. Just in the short time he had been here, the hospital didn't seem so gloomy and dreadful, and he knew he could always look forward to talking to Dr. Dean when he came. Maybe Dr. Dean would help him not be so afraid of being around sick and old people. Dear father, please help me to learn to serve others in a place like this, he silently prayed. Help me to comfort and help others the way Jeremiah's friends helped him. As Michael was filling Dr. Dean's pitcher with ice, he suddenly heard a commotion from the hallway. My money! A high, quavering voice was shouted. My money is all gone! Michael stepped into the hall to see several nurses gathered around an elderly woman. She stood at the door of her room in a fluffy bathrobe, her large red purse dangling from her hands. It's all gone! Oh, who would do this to a poor, helpless woman? Two nurses quickly helped the woman back to her room. Molly, the friendly nurse Michael had met last time, walked briskly past him to the nurse's station. Hand me the phone, she said to one of the women behind the desk. I'm calling the police. Just then, Emily and Heidi returned to the utility room. Emily's eyes shone with excitement. Did you see that? She whispered loudly to Michael. There's been a robbery right here in the hospital. I know what you're thinking, said Michael, groaning. Emily gave a little hop. It's a mystery, another case for the Willow Valley kids to solve. Michael shook his head in disbelief. Emily Johnson, he said. How is it that you always manage to get us stuck, smack dab, in the middle of trouble?